Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. This week, our guest is actor and host of the Four Comic Junkies podcast, J.J. Hodges. I'm Erica Berlin, Executive Director of the Film Society of Northwestern PA. I'm John Lyons, filmmaker, teaching artist, and director of programming for the Film Society. I'm Mike Berlin, Erica Berlin's husband. All right, so let's talk about the state of the Hollywood tentpole. The big, huge blockbuster. We're at the end of summer. We've expected to see all of these blockbusters, but we haven't. We have gotten Tenet, and that's it. That's the big release. So we're <laughs> going to talk about Tenet a little bit. And we're also going to talk about video on demand, but, you know, that streaming video on demand of the big blockbuster. Is it possible? And can we rely on Hollywood anymore to be making these really, really expensive movies if we're just consuming them at home? So. Mm. Hmm. All right. So our guest today is the one and only J.J. Hodges. J.J., thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm very excited. I'm a big fan of your guys' show. We are fans as well, sir. Oh. <laughs> we oh, are all fans that's of that's our show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you meant my show. But all right, that's fine. <laughs> Where do you come from, JJ? Are you are you a local boy or are you an, a transplant? I was born in Ohio, but mostly raised in Erie. So I've lived in Erie pretty much my entire life. Um, and were you always a fan of, uh, you know, did you make home movies? Did you act as a, as a young scrubber? Uh, did you always get comic books down at the books galore or wherever your uh, favorite haunt was? Uh, yeah, always been boarding books galore. And I, I didn't really start acting until I was in high school. I took acting classes and did a lot of stuff over at Mercyhurst. I just like fell absolutely in love with it. I did just about any play that they were putting on, I would do it, which in hindsight was like, yeah, some of these kind of sucked, so maybe I shouldn't have done it. But, <laughs> but, but I was, <laughs> but, I, but exactly, you know, I, I loved it so much. And I lived in North Carolina for several years. Right before I left, I fell in with an improv group. It's IC Improv. It's Intellectually Challenged Improv uh, <laughs> that my friend uh, <laughs> William started. And that was a lot of fun. We had, we had a lot of fun doing that. And then coming back here, getting involved with Drama Shop and, uh, and All in Act Theater and even Gannon's uh, Shakespeare Summer Nights. It's been a lot of fun. And it's also great meeting so many new people and getting involved with all this stuff. And it's something I've always done is, you know, you know I've, I've been buying and collecting comic books my whole life. And when I was a kid, and I still do this a little bit, so I'm going to embarrassing admission here, is I love to read a comic book out loud and play the different characters. Ooh. And I and I think of it that way, like, and, you know, I have friends of mine that were like, we're thinking about making like a Batman short film. And I was like, um, well, if you need somebody to be at least the voice of Batman, because I, I don't have the time to go to the gym. Uh, well, I do have the time. I just don't want to. But, <laughs> but yeah, I can do the voice <laughs> and stuff like that that has always been fueling my imagination, um, which led me to wanting to start uh, my own podcast, the Four Comic Junkies podcast, which, which was really just like, it's like I, I hear a lot of different podcasts and I was like, oh man, like wouldn't it be great to be a guest on this guy's show or, you know, or contribute to this show or something? And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do my own. And, you know, been some almost a year now, uh, almost a thousand listens. And it's really, that's awesome. Means, especially the number of friends that I've made, especially like in the Batman fan world and being invited in their groups, uh, groups that I've admired for years. 
And suddenly it's like, oh, hey, you want to be a part of our group? And I was like, I feel like I've always been, but now I am, you know? What do you think? Okay, so, you know, I've always been drawn to Batman as well. Why mm -hmm. do you think Batman? Why, why is there such a following for the Dark Knight? I don't like it when people say, oh, because he's just a man. Because I think if you say Batman's just a man, you're missing the point. Because he's, he's much more than that. But I do think he represents... He's a rich right. white man. Yeah, so it's like it's <laughs> that part of it, how many of us can relate to. Um, but I think what is the draw for Batman is his mortality, is his um, tenacity, is his bravery, and the idea that something I related to growing up was like, this terrible thing happened to me. I'm going to make sure it never happens to anyone else. And that's, and that's a story I think everybody can get behind. Yeah. It, puts, it, it definitely, and I remember from the first Batman movie that I saw, which was 19, what, 89? Which mm -hmm. one was that? Batman? Keaton? Tim Burton's Batman? Batman. Yes, right. Batman. Keaton. That, that totally gets you, that his parents have yeah. been murdered in front of him, and that is something that haunts him through his life. And that is the emotional connection to him. I, I think you're right. I think that people can yep. identify uh, with that kind of personal human loss and human reaction to horrible violence. And especially in today's world where it's like every time we turn on, you know, we, we scroll through Facebook, there's something going on and it's insane. And having that idea of a hero that is, is, a, is a man as much as, again, like, I don't like when people put it that way, but in, in that sense that he's mortal, that he can be hurt just like we can be hurt, but he can also inspire us to be better. Yeah. Um, I think that that's, that's really exciting. And that's what gets me about the character. So you've met some cool people in the podcast. Um, what does mm -hmm. four comic junkies do different from other podcasts? Like what's, what's your format? What, what are your goals with podcasts? My goal really is to shed light on, comic books and other genre shows like we've done like a couple episodes on Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, with uh, my friend uh, girl Jesse there's boy Jesse and then girl Jesse um, <laughs> wanted to have them both on in an episode and really confused the hell out of everybody but I haven't done that yet you know it's like like Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a great example where you know you have these very fantastic crazy stories vampires attacking a high school but there's an emotional reality to it and I think a lot of comic books have that like we're talking about Green Lantern, the idea that he's a hero, that it's his job to overcome fear every time he goes out to, you know, fight the bad guys. What police officer, firefighter can't relate to that? You know, you, you have to overcome your fear to do the best job you can. And even on a more personal level on us day to day, you know, we're not, you know, we're not medical workers or anything like that, but we have to, how many times a day do we have to put on a brave face to do something maybe we don't want to do, but we have to do. And I think that that's something that I wanted to throw out into the world that there's, there's humanity in this, there's, there's reality to this and it's, and it's big bombastic stories. And, you know, you have something like, you know, Ghostbusters, which is just three guys that got fired and said, we're going to start our own business. That's the core of the movie, you know? <laughs> and when people to say like, describe your favorite movie in the most boring way possible, I say, disgrace scientists, Start, a, start their own business. <laughs> that's right. that's, but that's the plot of Ghostbusters. Um, yeah, it's pro-small business. 
exactly. And there's a lot of that, you know, when you really kind of, especially like growing up, feeling like everybody just looked at comic books like they were just disposable kids material, not to talk up Brian Singer, because boo, Brian Singer. But he did shed, shed light on the fact that like X-Men is all about racism and how it's, it, it affects people. And something like, uh, like Smallville uh, being the Superman origin story, it's like, well, who can relate to Superman? It's like, well, who can't relate to being in love with somebody and not knowing how to express that? Who can't relate to wanting to know your place in the world? Who can't relate to maybe I, maybe not the, like this entirely, but like his, you know, he's adopted. So, so he always wonders where he came from. And there's a lot of that, even if you're not adopted, people can relate to stuff like that. And it's stuff that I, I like to shed a light on and say, yeah, this is a really fun story. But there's an emotional reality that really hooks me every time. Uh, that's that's wonderful. I I like I like putting uh, comics in that contest. I think also representation um, is very important. Before we move into our um, main discussion, can you speak for a moment about the loss of Chadwick Boseman and Black Panther on the culture it, and it, the importance? It, it's weird being like a, a, a white guy saying it, but I don't. Um, so I don't want to like speak for anybody's experience, but I will say that learning what I learned about Chadwick Boseman, that he was, that, you know, he had colon cancer. He went, you know, through his chemo, did his treatments and still made this movie. Yeah. I mean, that makes him a real life superhero. And I think that the Black Panther series going forward is going to look totally different. Uh, I mean, it might be Shuri who takes up the mantle, who knows? They might recast, who knows? But all I can say is that from my experience, that movie, the first Black Panther making a billion dollars and just being so culturally relevant was, and even today you're rewatching it. It's like this movie is, it has something to say. And as for as cookie cutter as some of the other Marvel movies can be, I did not think Black Panther was that way. I thought yeah, this movie had something real to say. personality through and through the music, it, the style. It had that emotional core to it that Ryan Coogler brought to it and Chadwick, obviously, because they, you know, they could speak from real life experiences being African-American, especially Michael B. Jordan's character. You know, he comes in, nobody can argue with him, you know, about his, him saying, you know, where was Wakanda when we needed you? And, and he's saying, you're going to be here for me now. And it's just like, he's right. <laughs> you know, and that movie had something to say. And it made an impact on me as a fan. And I loved seeing the representation of it. I love, I love seeing that more and more happening. You know, like, uh, for example, Jeffrey Wright being Commissioner Gordon in the new Batman. Mm -hmm. People throw yes. their arms up like, oh, you know, that's not right or whatever. I'm like, Who Jim says Gordon's it's not right. Well, Jim, right. well it's like so Jim, Gordon's, Jim Gordon's not a real person. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he can liter yeah. literally be whoever they wanted to be. But it just, uh, I'm like, I think that's great because first and foremost, he's an amazing actor. And secondly, it shows black kids who want to go see this movie. Wow, I can be Batman's partner. Right. You know, that, that matters. And hopefully someday Batman. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would love that. Like if I've always said Denzel Washington would be an amazing Batman. Sure. He's so. intense. He <laughs> yeah. can be intense. Oh, yeah. Or, or his son. Right. Oh, he yeah, would be great too. Point. Yeah. Yeah, good he was point. good. He was good in Tenet. I'll give him that. We'll be, yeah. we'll be talking about Tenet next. Yeah. Well, JJ, thank you so much for joining us. We will we'll talk about the new Batman when it comes out. We'll have Absolutely. you back on. Yeah, I will have many, many thoughts, yeah.
Erica, you just uh, were talking about Tenant. So Tenant, pretty much the whole time we've been recording this podcast during COVID, we've always been watching this story of, you know, when is Tenant coming out? When is Tenant coming out? And it's been pushed back month after month, week after week. I mean, it's September now. We're we're not in the summer season anymore. And Tenant opened in uh, still a good number of theaters, right? Like 2,000 mm-hmm. and some theaters, I, I think I remember, but not in the usual fashion. Like there's no right. New York and LA, but there was right. Erie, Pennsylvania. That's right. John, it was the will they won't be of the summer you know like <laughs> it was your it was your ross and rachel that's that that's, what, uh, rachel. that's <laughs> that's that that's if tenant was going to come out that was the question i love Why that must you they were on a break they were just on, <laughs> were a break. on a break <laughs> Possibly the worst sitcom that people think is great. Oh, bull! Oh, that's such bullshit. Friends is amazing. Oh. It's awful. It's awful. It's have you awful. ever, have oh, you ever done the where you take episode. away, take away the laugh track? If you take that away, it's not funny at all. Then you can laugh on your own without guidance. It, it's not funny with the laugh track. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have to have a friends episode in the future. Well, let's oh, put it this boy. way: when I was a teenager, a young teenager, it was funny to watch it as an adult. Not funny. All right. So maybe you're flashing back, John. All right. So tenant. <laughs> tenant. So three three crazy people on this podcast went to Tinseltown in Erie. Tell me all about the experience, guys. You ordered your tickets ahead of time, I assume. Walk us through the the whole shebang. We're not going to review the movie or spoil the movie. We're going to talk about everything but. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. I, I do have such strong feelings about the movie. So uh, do I. Definitely, I definitely have strong feelings about <laughs> so the movie. So do I. Okay. Well, I don't know. Mike, Mike uh, ordered uh, our tickets. Yeah, well, we okay, so online. Yeah, they make it super easy. You order them online. They've been doing this for a while. You have to select your uh, your seats and you have to order them in like sort of uh, sections. And then mm-hmm. at that point, they will keep you sort of socially distanced through the rows and How then much on top distance? of it. Will be up. How many seats and rows are we talking? I mean, it, we're, we're talking at least- Every uh, other row. Every other row, at least. And then they sort of stagger it. And theater that probably seats around anywhere from 100 to 120 people, there's what? Probably 271. At the most... Occupancy oh, is 271. So I, think I noticed you got, like, when we were there. So you've got like 30 people in the theater. So it's a little but weird. When we saw it, yeah, like that's true. there wasn't that many people there. And it How was. How many people were three... there for JJ? Uh, there's probably way less than that, I would imagine. Way 10. less than 30? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but the, the theater was not, not full at all. What day of the week and times did you guys go? Friday at 3 o'clock. Uh, Wednesday at like 8 o'clock. At night? Yeah. Was that the day it was released in the theater? It, yes. Yeah, it was, wow. it was actually with Jesse. So the excitement of opening night of a big Hollywood tentpole yielded 10 people. <laughs> I think, I think the the fear of a virus kept them away um, <laughs> yes, of, of so, course, of course. Uh, but you know because i think I, I think that christopher nolan has enough clout that people would go i remember going when inception came out yeah i lived in north carolina at the time but that that theater that was like a saturday afternoon i think and, and like a week or two after it came out and it was packed you know yeah i mean so. he is, yeah. he's one of the few um filmmakers that will turn out every 
of the four quadrants, right, for a movie. So right. were there any coughs or sneezes during your screenings? And when they happened, did you get nervous for a second? There was not for us, no. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you're supposed to wear your mask during the mm. film. Oh, I wore yeah. his. I, okay. So there was Erica, nowhere anywhere near us. There was nobody near us. But and you're supposed the, to, I thought you were allowed to take them off outside the lobby. So that's not the case. No. Masks the entire time. You're, mm -hmm. Yeah, you're supposed to wear them there. But also I got popcorn and a drink because I was like desperate for that. I was like, I miss this. I, so I'm going to spend yeah. the money on popcorn and a drink. Yes. So, you know, I didn't have to wear my mask eating the popcorn. Yes. And, and that's kind of the rule. You can take it off if you're eating or drinking. And I got Reese's Pieces. <laughs> So <laughs> I had to take off my mask. Yeah, just like the restaurants. Like you Look, can't get sick so long as you're consuming food. Understood. That's right. Let's yeah, not be right. let's, let's That not is the logic. Which <laughs> is so strange. It's like the yeah. opposite of what you would think is. We, we should give Tinseltown some credit. I think that they are going through a lot of, lot of hurdles to make sure that they are keeping people as separated as they possibly can too. Mm -hmm. They do Lots deserve some credit. I totally agree because I... You know, in ordering the tickets, I've always gotten my tickets through Fandango. I just like getting them ahead of time. So it's the same thing as it normally was, where it's like, oh, you, because they've been doing this the past few months, you have your assigned seating, but there was also seats that were blocked off. Like you can't sit there to, you know, give everybody some social distance or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I did, I did like that. I did appreciate that because it's like, well, I hope that we can sit next to each other because Jesse and I like to, you know, laugh at, you know, make fun of parts of the movie Plus or make you jokes. Scared, you need to like grab his hand or something, right? <laughs> no, I'll just smack him away. <laughs> That's not happening. No, but uh, we uh, we lean in every now and then, and just go, dude, what if that guy just did this? And we always make each other laughter in all the movies. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I always lean in and give Mike my predictions. Oh, I, I love it. <laughs> when I come up with an idea, I'm like, which I did, I had a prediction in this movie, and it wasn't proven wrong, but it's it wasn't right. confirmed. It's not right. It's not right. It could yep. be right. It could uh, be right. Especially uh, if there's a sequel. Could be right. We, we do that too. I, I'll lean in and I'll go, I think that guy's Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I definitely do that. It was interesting, you know, Mike and I commented when you're in the lobby, first of all, there's no one there, so it's quiet. Right. And you're looking around and it just doesn't have all the marketing anymore. You know, like where all the movies are usually lined up in what theater, you're, nothing is there. Mm -hmm. And no huge banners on the walls about such and such movie coming out. The bar is closed. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the I didn't really specifically look, but I'm pretty Alcohol sure. Alcohol after 10 o'clock also uh, causes the coronavirus. That's right. And, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the little arcade was closed. There's nobody in the eating area. Interesting. The, the kids that are, I mean, it's all teenagers working there. Yeah. Like and they're, young... they're all masked and gloved and. Yes. The whole yes. shebang, yeah. Full body yep. condoms. Yep. And they have the plexiglass, you know, they have the plexiglass wherever you need it. The bathrooms, I'll just say, uh, of course the bathrooms are empty, but there was nothing in the bathroom that made me feel like they were doing anything different for COVID. No signs or anything. I think the signs are the same as usual, like, hey, wash your hands, you know? The particular bathroom I was in, like when you pull toilet paper, the entire thing fell off the wall. So I was kind of like, oh. I was thanks, in a very COVID. awkward position. Yeah, thanks, COVID. That's totally COVID's fault. <laughs> um, you did not tell me about this. I know. Well that's, well, that's because I went during the during the movie, Mike. Remember I got up and went? 
She was saving it for the podcast, Mike. But, uh, That's right. It's, you're right. You're right. That's right. Okay. That's okay. right. Well, um, that must just be because it's different in a, the female bathroom versus the male bathroom because mm -hmm. we'll have stalls, whereas like mm -hmm. our urinals were uh, every other one was taped off. Oh, so, oh, so that's okay. so that's that's probably why yours you had a different bathroom experience than I did because I yeah. I came out and was like oh okay so we're supposed to be socially distant which this should have always been this way by the way I don't <laughs> want a dude standing next to me while I'm peeing but even Jesse yeah <laughs> my own personal even if bias it's Jesse? <laughs> even if it's Jesse especially if it's Jesse <laughs> tenant it did like twenty million right over yeah. the course of almost a week it was like mm -hmm. a 10 day premiere but it's done 150 you know all in total including overseas which i mean actually it seems like warner brothers is pretty happy with the result all things considered i mean what do you mm -hmm. i see like some people shitting on it that like oh it only opened to 20 million i mean come on give me a break there's no new york no la there's i think that warner brothers should be thrilled considering the uh considering the jumbled mess that the movie is. <laughs> not reviewing the movie. But we're not reviewing we're not the movie. Reviewing not reviewing the movie. Um, we're not giving any spoilers. Can I can I ask one technical thing? Because it, it happens every single Christopher Nolan movie, the whole and I saw the uh, the prologue in IMAX in New York before this whole situation it was like before whatever the last star wars movie was or something i saw it and um you know it's it was hard to understand uh what people were saying every single christopher nolan movie in a theater is for me at least hard to understand what people are saying except it, probably dunkirk because there was only like three words but um <laughs> well, you get the assisted is, hearing is, is this and a, i took that tip from jesse yeah we got the headphones oh you guys wore okay so explain this explain the tip and well Je i mean jj if you were there with jesse jj did you did you guys get the headphones he didn't fucking say shit about that to me and i live <laughs> with him so that is not okay <laughs> okay well jesse Wait. gave me the tip to get the headphones so you so can how have do you a, get those? Do you have to request you just ask them when you the get box there. office? Yeah. Maybe he said yeah. that because he had already seen it and he was like, you're going to need this. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't oh, worry yeah. about your screening, I'm guessing. So I would recommend that because of exactly what you're saying, John. I didn't it's loud. Have any, the mix is loud. The mix is loud. I didn't have any trouble hearing what people were saying. And I, after, I had no real, I didn't really feel like I was wearing headphones. Like it just didn't bother me. And I know that they sanitize them and everything. So I didn't feel mm. weird about that. I know some people probably wouldn't want to do it simply right. because it's wearing headphones that have touched another person's head. It made a difference to me because of exactly what you're saying. I've had that issue in the past. It, uh, I don't know. Yeah, Mike, what I, did you think? I, I totally agree with Erica. I mean, it's just like, I and considering the way that this has always been an issue of his, I feel, since like the first Batman Begins, and he will yep. stage important dialogue over these loud, cacophonous like action scenes, <laughs> and it's just like it gets jumbled. And I have a lot of respect for Nolan as a filmmaker, but it's like the one sort of, it's the one thing that that gets like stuck in my craw, and it's like, why do you keep on? doing this i mean yeah. do you he's doing it on purpose right so is the whole idea is he? in his mind <laughs> you think 
to get you to lean in to like really, really pay intensely. Like Sheryl Sandberg. Really doing it on purpose. No one else has received so many complaints about every single one of his movies about the dialogue of main characters. No one. There, there was one scene in particular where there was a lot of dialogue and it was the very loud stuff happening. And all I could think the entire time was like, I can't understand a damn word anybody's saying. And this would have been such an easy fix. Like I get like if, if crap had happened on, on the set, like, oh, okay, well, we got to fix that in post. I feel like he just doesn't because he's like, I don't do that. And it's like, bro, you got to start doing that. Like, it's, it's not. I agree. I totally agree with this. Yeah, it, it's obnoxious. And it takes away, the problem is, if it was an aesthetic thing with a real purpose that motivated the plot forward, you could make an argument for it. I think it's like a pride issue that I'm Christopher Nolan and you're not. And it's just like, sure, you're the auteur, but at the end of the day, if I can't understand what in the freaking fuck your characters are saying, it's taking away my enjoyment of your movie. I never had a, a problem understanding Bane in Dark Knight Rises. You so, didn't watch, you didn't see the original prologue though, I'm right. guessing in well, IMAX, right? Well, maybe, changed it. Maybe yeah. not. I never had trouble understanding him and even like uh, Inception, you know, I rewatched that recently, didn't have any trouble understanding anybody in that one. Yeah. In this one, it just, it was like desperate to get this movie out and you had all this time to literally yeah. get three actors who are stuck at home to fix this. Right, right. <laughs> it it's a choice. A it's an artistic choice. It, it was, it's a bad one. <laughs> it doesn't do the same at home. Like watching Inception and Interstellar and I mean, they fixed the Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, they fixed it the first week. I'm going to have to, some, maybe yeah. somebody can remind me. I remember seeing it in the movie theater and being like, it can't be that bad. And Bane was a dumb, jumbled mess. And then I've seen it since then. And they clearly fixed the audio. Well, yeah. didn't they fix it even before it went to theaters? Because they yeah, had, either, like John I, said, there was a prologue. Yeah. yeah, something I, I came out. Did. No one could understand it. And they changed it for the theatrical release. I, but I, I remember seeing it in theaters and not having a problem understanding him. Yeah, so they like, must oh, have yeah. fixed it for the release. Yeah. 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 All right, well, we won't spend the whole time talking about Tenet. So what do you guys <laughs> think about, so Warner Brothers went ahead, released it. Disney... Uh, who has their own streaming service. Although I guess technically Warner Brothers does also with HBO Max, right? So well, te yeah. technically they have two. They have DC Universe and HBO Max. Okay. Um, but, so but, you know. Released, uh, but can't you access DC Universe through HBO Max? Yes. Uh, yes. There's there's a lot of the same stuff, but oh, there's okay. like, like comic books and stuff that aren't on HBO Max, uh, okay. obviously. All right. Okay. Well, what do you guys think about, uh, I don't have the budget pulled up here, but Mulan looks fantastic. I mean, they spend a ton of money, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you guys think about that choice of going straight to Disney Plus for a premium ticket of what, $19.99? No, it's more than that. It's $29.99. So today, How many people are sitting around in your living room? You have a family of five? That's 20 true. bucks? Great. Everyone can watch it together. And I once you pay for it, you can watch it more than once, right? I, I think there's a time limit on it. Right. So maybe it's like renting, like you get it for 24 or 48 hours or something like that. I, I think it's something like that. I Well, that was the argument I heard on like, some of my friends on Twitter were saying like, mm -hmm. well, you know, for like my kids and my wife, if we're going to go see the film, 
that's that's about the same price so yeah we're willing to do that and i was like well i'm i'm single my daughter's too young to be watching this movie so no <laughs> like i'm not going to do that i'll wait till it's free on the regular right. Disney plus so it's um, more expensive for the single the singles and it's way less actually it's way less expensive i guess if you were going to the dollar theater like it used to be you know you used to have it hasn't existed in like years <laughs> i know um but i guess the price for kids now is what five bucks is it five uh, bucks a ticket for a kid so yeah i mean none of us have a, kids so we're you know like at least old enough so we don't know <laughs> i know i know <laughs> but, I mean, so just to jump in real quick guys it's available if you pay the 29.99 it's available until november 2nd at midnight and then if you're a disney plus subscriber it's going to be available on disney plus after december 4th well, I'm going to watch I'll it on December 4th. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. Yeah. This, this also didn't look like, I mean, as far as people saying, you know, like, oh, that's a steal for my family or it's about the same price for my family. I would have to say that this didn't strike me, the trailers and everything, while I agree, I think it looks amazing, didn't strike me as a, a family-friendly type of thing, whereas like Beauty and the Beast and Lion King and Aladdin, those remakes did. So I was like, oh, well, that would be a good deal for my family. Whereas like this movie, I'm like, this looks like the Christopher Nolan version of Mulan, the dark gritty, like <laughs> we're taking out the songs, we're taking out the dragons. It's just the fighting. It's like, yeah. okay, I don't know. Cool. It has a young female lead. I think that that's, I, I don't know. I think families and, and parents of kids that are, you know, six, seven, eight, nine. I mean, they want their kids to see female leads like that. I mean, yes, that's, it's- That's true. It, I mean, it's it's um, it's action. It's an action movie for sure. But that's it's a war movie. It's a war movie, and yeah. that's <laughs> but that's what they're showing in previews, really, because they're trying to appeal to the parents of you know the kids. They I, want to I, appeal to as many people as possible. But when you come down to probably watching Mulan, it's probably going to have all those Disney lovable things that you want to see in it. I think it goes beyond that. I think what they're really doing with Milan, which is interesting, is they're trying to appeal to a wider international audience. This has a ton of a feel, like very much the feel of a uh, house of like a thousand daggers or something like that. Mm. And uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and stuff like that. And mm. I think that they're going hard into uh, the China, South, uh, South Pacific market. I, and not, I, not just a family thing. I, I, I also think that what I, you know, you mentioning that makes me think that there's, unlike a lot of the other Disney movies they've done recently, this one doesn't have any white people in it, as far as I can tell. I yeah. think is bold of them to make that choice. Um, and, you know, because like even Aladdin, there was a white character in there and he served zero purpose in the film. Like, so, so watching the trailers, I'm like, okay, this looks different. And that makes that makes me excited. But mm -hmm. the $29.99, I'll, I'll hang on to that. It's a $200 million production budget. We're not even counting the year, year and a half of marketing that they did, which is probably at least another hundred. So if the attendance for the box office and the social distancing and stuff continues for six more months or another year or you know, 18 months, we don't have the numbers on how many people rented Mulan. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, that's the thing with having these private companies run their own streamers. Um, mm -hmm. They don't have to report whatever they don't want to share. So right. 300 million, let's say, how many people need to, uh, you know, you can do the math at 30 bucks. How many people need to be renting this to 
to make it worth either bringing people ten, in as subscribers or just renting as one hundred thousand or ten million? Wouldn't it be ten million? One million. One million. Ten million because it's 10 thirty. Million? Thirty bucks. It, well, right. and that that uh, the idea of these movies costing that much money to begin with has never quite sat right with me <laughs> that that's always just sound you know one article will be like oh you know there's a homeless problem in america and the next article is like you know the the dark knight rises made you know 200 million dollars in its opening weekend i'm like i feel like we have an issue here um wow. i don't want to get political about it but that does that that really bothers me a lot but then but again these I'm are the to... movies you love jj these are you know, the like my house is decorated with batman stuff all over the place <laughs> right, uh, right. But, so I'm not, so I'm not helping, um, but, but it, but it doesn't, but it's, it's strange to me when you can have, you know, the, the shows that are on the, the CW or, uh, you know, even now when they're doing HBO Max and even when Netflix was doing their Marvel stuff, they had significantly less budgets, I mean, obviously, but the stories were still so fantastic and you can get more out of it because you had 13 episodes eight eight to 13 episodes to tell your story so i yeah. i don't know it, it, i mean if this keeps going unfortunately it's gonna look like you know covid's not going anywhere because nobody's doing anything about it you know when we went to the movie theater i kind of joked with jesse i was like don't don't tell your mom we're going to this because she's gonna get really mad at us she's probably listening to this now um <laughs> but but you know it's like hi jerry <laughs> we're we're adults we 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 made a choice we were wearing our masks we you know we washed our hands i went because I wanted to go. I wanted to go back to the movie theater because I've been missing it. Yeah. Um, that's an experience like, you know, my first date ever was at a movie theater. It's, it's stuff like that, that like it, there's no experience like it. And it's funny to say that because it's like these movies release in the theaters, they're there for eight weeks, they're gone, and then we own them on video forever. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of a racket, but, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I mean, if, unfortunately this, they almost can't justify it if they're going to spend like Christopher Nolan spending $200 million making tenant, not counting marketing and yada, yada. Is he going to make money off of this or is Warner Brothers going to make money off of this? Probably not because yeah, the fact they will. that well, <laughs> of course they will. like they're not going to get it all back in the first weekend, but like you said, mm -hmm. it, it's in the theater for eight weeks and then we all go and buy it or people rent it for the next 50 years. I mean, people true, will true. be making money off of that movie forever because well, someone's going to want to watch Tenet. It might be in the theater like the old days. It might be in the theater for six to eight months or something, too. It might be in the theater for a long time. And let it be. Yeah. And let I, it be. I remember, I remember those days, you know, and that was kind of exciting. I remember like, you know, when the movies would change theaters in Tinseltown because like they have less of an audience, so it's like there's less seats in this theater. So we'll put that this one that's been here a while. It's not making as much money. But so it's still around, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then it would yeah, take I mean, the hop over to the Dollar Theater. Yeah, right. I do miss the Dollar Theater. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting. Like Mulan, kind of. It, it feels like it should have been seen on a big screen, and I, mm -hmm. I'm kind of sad that it that they chose that route but in a way it's also advertising for their streaming platform mm -hmm. to get more subscriptions yeah. there during the streaming wars um it was the same thing with hamilton same like, yeah. oh, hamilton. because yeah. hamilton is a theater experience like you can only see that in one place at one time unless it's touring but that's yeah. way less accessible so you put that on disney plus and a lot of a lot of people actually know i think 
Mandalorian maybe got Mike on there before me. But still, <laughs> that was like the first time I was like, oh, Disney Plus is valuable because it has... Hamilton and that's what I'm gonna go see being a you know I so I was just cast in a in a play that drama shops putting on called the blue ball monologues um, and they're being very conscious of doing streaming theater uh, so there'll be some of us some of it at the theater but it's all gonna be streaming which is exciting but it's also like and I know that they feel this way more than I do like Zach and Jess over there um, and Elena it's just not the same like it's not the same as going to the theater and yeah you know and and seeing and seeing the actors on stage it's just not the same so watching I I didn't, I didn't watch all of Hamilton I watched a little bit of it this is really great and I love this but it really isn't the same you know, I went to go see Aladdin on Broadway a few years ago. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's I won't sign up for Disney Plus for just Hamilton or just Mulan. Um, so I haven't subscribed. But yeah, I would like to see it. I wanted to see it on, on stage. Here's just a couple things real quick, because Erica, you mentioned The Mandalorian. And, and JJ, to bring back um, the idea of can you justify these costs? So The Mandalorian, how long are those episodes? An hour? Uh, I think between 45 minutes to an hour, yeah. So they cost $15 million per episode. So if you would double the budget per episode, and their production values through the roof, right? The Mandalorian looks amazing. Oh, it, it looks like a Star Wars movie. So why are we spending $300 million on these movies? Like, <laughs> it seems like maybe we could, maybe it could be good for overhead and maybe even for creativity, and here's my positive spin, right? Because the $30 million dramas in Hollywood have gone extinct, right? Because they're not making those movies anymore. They're just making these interchangeable, sorry, JJ, J- <laughs> these like, you know, they're just making these, these tent poles uh, where people are turning. I, I still don't think people are turning up to see Robert Downey Jr. I think they're turning up to see Iron Man. They're turning up to see Spider-Man, Batman. I don't necessarily think the face under the mask is selling for kids. I'm sorry, Henry Cavill. I will show up for that face. <laughs> it could be interesting and it could have a net positive effect maybe on the industry if they can re-embrace lower budget, high creativity content instead of just throwing millions of dollars at the screen. Well, is something like uh, like Palm Springs on Hulu, you know, if, if they released that in movie theaters, it would have it would have been gone in like a week. And how many um, people watch them on Hulu? Like so many, right? Well, you know, we're all stuck at home. And yeah. <laughs> so it's like that. That I really enjoyed, and I thought about that a lot, and I even listened to an interview with Andy Samberg with that. He was like, this never would have, this movie never would have made any money if we'd put it in the movie theaters, uh, which is, which is a sad, but it's, it's, it's true though, isn't it? Because when you're having $100 million, $200 million movies coming out literally every week, how many people are going to say like, well, I want to go see Iron Man because it, it'll be a fun movie. A Batman movie will be fun to watch. Like Palm Springs, I don't know about that movie. I mean, Andy Samberg's funny, I guess, but I'll wait for it to come on video. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just... Yeah, it's a really I, good point. Well, and I think, unfortunately, this goes back to education and kind of training an audience to want to see things that are lower budget, creative, story-oriented, and not just re, you know, recycling the same characters. I mean, to prepare for this, I was looking up how many versions of Batman have been done, 
And it's like, there's like, I mean, I don't know, JJ, you probably know the number, but how many people have starred as Batman and how many versions of the Batman comics and the cartoons and the movies? It's like people show up for the Batman, right? But before COVID and all of this, you know, John, you know this, like we would go to movies and they would be in the smallest theater and some of the best movies that you're going to see in any given year and you're seeing them in the smallest theater. There's not a lot of people there. The seats don't recline. (laughs) <laughs> the seats don't recline. They don't. They don't make. They don't put the rumble seats. In you there. don't sit back <laughs> far enough from the screen. That's right. I don't know. I mean, how can you like the broader American audience thinking critically about what they're watching? It's arts education. It's really helping. I don't know. I it goes all the way back for me. You know, if you don't if you don't do arts education and teach you know critical thinking about what you're watching and appreciation for story and dialogue and and things like that, then you're maybe not looking for something that's a little deeper. You like JJ said, it's I want fun. I want to like take a girl or go with my friends and laugh and have loud sounds and make me feel <laughs> super and cheer for my hero and. Yeah, it's exciting, but it's yeah. it, you have to train an audience to want to go and see movies that are not like that. In but my I humble think what opinion. you both are saying really is I don't think people would notice if you would chop one hundred and fifty million dollars off of the budgets of these movies. No, like I guarantee they wouldn't. People they wouldn't, wouldn't. They would not notice, right? So what's the money going towards? I think it, a lot of it's going towards stacking effects. Yeah, yeah, visual effects and then stacking uh, like the old way of thinking of like that people turn out for movie stars. I was, right. I was seeing like, like who's a bankable star now? And really, the, honestly, the only, I know he's crazy, but really the only one I can think of now is Tom Cruise. I, I'll, I'll one-up you with that one. I think a bankable star is, uh, is Dwayne Johnson. Um, the, those Fast and Furious movies were on the decline yeah. and when he jumped in they I mean they they're stuck. Okay, that's probably a good call. Yeah. 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 But there's and no think, Will Smith, there's no Brad Pitt, there's no George Clooney, there's name name a, a woman, unfortunately, right? Like Scarlett Johansson isn't a bankable no. name, right? No. Like Nicole Kidman, there's no Julia Roberts. Like mm-hmm. I think you can put anybody in a suit and tights and CG them and nobody's gonna give a shit so why are you spending probably 50 to 75 million on on your cast i wondered that a lot and i know that that was like robert downey jr's paycheck just went up and up and up and up as the avengers movies went on and i was like and and lucky for us he never i don't think he ever phoned in the performance because that would have insulted me as a fan uh he always gave an amazing performance for sure but was it worth, you know, right. $50 million? Right. Like, I'm getting paid nothing for the Blue Bowl monologues, and I'm going to put my heart and soul into it, you know, as if I was getting paid a lot of money. And, yeah. and I've been paid, not that I can be compared to Robert Downey Jr. or anything, unless you want to. Um, <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen you bring it. Well, I've seen you bring it, JJ. That's the thing. We, we're paying stars because we believe we connect with them emotionally, right? We can see ourselves in them. They can behave like a normal human being in front of a camera. Okay, well, that's great. You're good at that. Not everybody can do that, but not $75 million better than people can do it. It is an overblown economy that some, a very few amount of people that can act like real people 
in front of a camera somehow are worth that much. Oh, and by the way, they're really good looking. Sure. Well, I've known people yeah. that are really good looking <laughs> and they're actors and they make nothing. JJ, yeah. for example. There we go. <laughs> I'm at least one of those things, yeah. Really <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, but, a, it's a good point. I, I think that, um, you know, and I want to see these actors freed up. Like, I want to see Mark Ruffalo and Florence Pugh and Tessa Thompson and like all these people. I want to see them do other movies. Like, I, it's cool for them to do like a big paycheck because they, they need to live and pay the bills like every once in a while, but they get locked into one Marvel movie a year is like their entire life. Right. They don't have room in their schedules to do a movie like the sequel to Unearth. You know, (laughs) (laughs) but, well, you know, I, I, I think about that a lot too, where it's, you know, you have, and especially when they're churning these movies out, like insanely, you know, where Brie Larson is doing Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame all at the same time. Right. It's like that's, I mean, that, you know, that's got to be insane. I want to see I, Robert Downey Jr. in something that's not a metal outfit. I miss those, uh, uh, something as simple as like, um, somewhat big budget, but like uh, Big Fish when that came out. Um, so a, a weird high concept Tim Burton thing, uh, but really a great character study. And again, that movie was very successful. It didn't need... 200 million dollars behind it but it had great actors and a great story and you know i revisit that movie quite frequently because it just it it's very you know pulls me into it you know i can't think of the word exactly i want to say but better than you know not to say that like captain marvel doesn't but at the same time it's like a lot of these movies are very cookie cutter very much the same and they cost more and more and more as the years go on it's insane yeah That's been our episode. If you're a fan of comic books, graphic novels, and their fan culture, subscribe to the 4 Comic Junkies podcast with JJ. Next week, we will bring you the full Q&A that I hosted with actors PJ Marshall, Monica Wyke, and Brooke Sorensen from Unearth, as well as directors John C. Lyons and Diane Walid. John, of course, co-director of Unearth, and Diane directed the short film, Book, which played with Unearth at the Fantasia International Film Festival. Make sure you follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Grain.